Paging Dr. Seiler, Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. We really appreciate you joining us. Episode 102. Yes, we just had our 100th episode two weeks ago, and we were drinking during it. It was it was quite a good time, by the way. It was. Good time had by all. Joining me today, Aaron Simonette. Hello. Hello, Aaron. We'll have to come up with a nickname for you, or you can be Jared and come up with your own nickname. Speaking of Jared, the physical therapist, Jared Bocart's in the house. I didn't I didn't do it myself. You, you said took it. That. You took that from me, but anyway. Took it and ran with it. Yes, you did. And our megalennial, Nikki Ward. Nick, which, by the way, congratulations to Nikki Ward. She has uh, successfully just passed her certified financial planning certification. So you are a certified financial planning professional. I will be, so I have to retain the marks after they approve my exam results in four okay. weeks after the testing window. Okay. They are super anal about it, so okay. you we can't use it yet. It, yes. You passed the test. So uh, The bar- hard part is over. Barring you committing fraud in the next week, you're okay. Yes. Okay. Next four weeks, but I mean. Okay, I think that's and pretty, then pretty from safe there to on assume out. you're going to be a, a CFP here in the next uh, four weeks. For sure. Okay, but congratulations. So that was a, it's, it's a quite an accomplishment. It's not an easy uh it was program. It's not an pr- easy program to go through. And I say when I say t- test doesn't do it justice. It's yeah. a it's a multi month program. It took a year and a half yeah. of my life. Yeah. Wow. But I'm back, baby. You're back. I'm not sure I have that much time to even go through it. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself now? I-, I can read whatever I want just because I want to read it. Yeah. And we have all kinds of stuff going on really great for our for our firm. I mean, uh, here at Silo Wealth Management, we, of course, fee-based asset managers. We help with retirement planning and, of course, now financial planning with the certified financial planner. We are, we're doing taxes, and uh, we're not only doing taxes. We're doing uh, – it's not accounting for companies or uh, for small business. Accounting, the accounting of the books for small businesses, we are able to do that with our fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart. Jared, now you can actually represent someone in IRS cases. Yep, just mainly just if you're back taxes, uh, anything that has to do with the IRS, I can represent. And I already have about 10 cases that we're working on right now. Uh, so if you have any tax problems, if the IRS sends you letters, uh, please just give us a call. Um, it doesn't cost anything. Um, we'll let you know what your options are. And we well, if you want to let us, we'll handle it for you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's good to know. And 
you know, I know I didn't realize this, but it's been extremely frustrating to get through the IRS. And I know, Jared, you said you tried hundreds of times or something. I, I don't know. I'm, yep. I'm, I don't know if I'm being sarcastic, but I mean, it's, no, it's uh, not, it's not, it's not, it's not sarcastic. I didn't wait. realize you couldn't like wait on hold either no. with the IRS. They just sort of didn't you wait on hold again. You do, but not not when you're calling in. You just sorry, phone line's busy. Call again later. So, so there's a problem with our government. You mean they're not run perfectly streamlined? <laughs> yeah, so, well, pay, uh, so they're not easy is, to deal with, is what you're saying. The good news is because of uh, Jared, what he's been doing. We now have the ability to get right in through the IRS fairly quickly. Is that correct? You don't have to tell that us your. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, you don't have to go behind the uh, the curtains, but what um, we can do that. It's a fast pass. Yeah, I just had a fast pass. It's just how to stay online with them. Uh, it's ridiculous that we need it, but we have it. Third so. party vendor to do this, by the way. Yes, it's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we're going to talk about the markets and talk about what's been going on. Of course, you're listening to this on Monday. Uh, the tw- uh, the twenty fourth. I'm so excited for this week. Monday the twenty fourth. However, we are recording the show on Thursday, July twenty first, and it's three forty five p.m. So there's fifteen minutes left in the market. So let me just tell you what they're doing today, and then we'll go back a little bit. So uh, the Dow right now is up seventy five points at thirty one thousand nine forty nine. The S and P up twenty nine. That's about three quarters of one percent at thirty nine eighty nine. Very close to four thousand. Uh, the Nasdaq Composite up one percent. 129 points at 12,000, and the Russell 2000 is the only index in negative. Not much negative, but is slightly negative. So the market's been down five out of the last seven weeks. Last week was fractionally down, but we had a terrific day Friday of last week. Now, not the past Friday that you're listening to the show, not this Friday the 22nd. Yes. Yes. So you're listening to this July 25th. Oh, good God. Yeah, now we're already out. So anyway, um, we've had a good rally and we had a a little bit of a sell off this past Monday. And it really was a ridiculous reason for the market to reverse. We're having a pretty good day. Then on Monday, word leaked out that Apple would halt and slow down hiring and spending. It's all their fault. And so this speculation caused a negative turnaround in the market on Monday but the news, it's just kind of ridiculous that the market doesn't expect things like this. We are slowing down. The Fed is trying to slow everything down. On purpose. Yes. And, um, of course, you know, Wall Street takes things way too far. In general, everybody overdoes things. And this is something that, you know, sure, certainly supply chain has been a problem. But, you know, Apple is saying, hey, we're not going to – and Apple's not alone. There is a laundry list of big Fortune 500 companies, especially in the tech sector, Mm -hmm. that's saying, guess what? Microsoft said, hey, we're not going to hire at the pace we've been hiring. Alphabet said we're going to slow it down. And some of the smaller players have said we're not even hiring at the moment. Some, Some of them have rescinded job offers. You know, and it's not just tech. I mean, Ford just came out and said that they're going to be laying off. 8,000. Right. 4% of their global workforce. I mean, but that... We don't budge. We don't even right. blink when that happens. But Apple comes out with a, we are going to slow and just every, he pulled the whole market down. Well, the, and Ford is going to take that that savings on, on getting rid of 8,000 people and they're going to invest it in the EV sector. That's what they're doing. So um, Diverting funds. Yep. Which again, they're just keeping their spending up. So they're just moving the money around a little bit. Exactly. So I mean, look, we are not in growth mode here. The economy is not going to grow as rapidly as it was. In fact, 
what we are seeing, folks, is a Fed-induced recession. And I will go back and, and say it again. I think we're already in recession. We'll, we'll get that data late this week, later this week. When um, we're recording this next week right. is when we will know. Right. And you're going to have a Fed meeting this week. You have a ton of earnings, which is a- Apple inclusive. Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft. The big players will be reporting earnings. There'll be a GDP number coming out later this week. That's the first kick of the can, which is likely going to be negative 2%, which, guess what, gives us two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, which, guess what, textbook recession, but very mild. Um, the, the funny thing about the Fed, though, is people think that they're just going to fix the inflation problem, but there's really the only thing they can do is stifle demand. They can't fix the supply chains. They can't fix the war in Russia, Ukraine. They can't do. They can't open China back up. But all only right. thing they can do is slow demand down. And they're doing that by raising rates and making it more difficult to purchase and spend money. And more expensive to borrow. Exactly. And so, therefore, if you all of a sudden see your credit card bill going up, mm-hmm. or you know you you can't go out and buy that car because guess what, rates went up and you just can't afford it. That's what they're trying to do. And, and part of the cooling of, down of the economy, unfortunately, is putting people out of work. Mm-hmm. That's the only other thing that they can do besides raising and lowering interest rates. Companies will not hire. And in fact, they'll do what like Ford did. And believe me, Ford is not the only one. They're not the bad guys here. We are already hearing in the tech sector, there are net less jobs than there were a quarter or two ago. Which is absolutely insane when you think about the fact that an unemployment is still like 3.6%. Yeah, and I think that's going to change over the next couple couple quarters. I think Ford's going to be kind of temporary as well, too, because they're supposed to be opening an EV plant for their electric vehicles. So once they get that up and going, they're obviously going to need to restaff it. So they'll... They'll rehire probably a lot of people that they let go. And what's unique about Ford is that, like we were just saying, they're d- diverting the funds from, you know, employment to investing into EVs. They're not the only auto legacy player that's going to be doing the same thing. But some companies like Apple are just going to sit on their cash. Yeah, and or retain people with the cash rather than rather than laying off. They may just write out a lot the of companies mm-hmm. choose to do that because they know that they've got good talent. They don't want to lose that talent and try to rehire again. Especially when we've had, you know, talent being hard to come by. These and and days. multiple years of expansion. So uh, also um, the European community, uh, <laughs> the ECB, ECB, the community bank, the ECB <laughs> is a small uh, little, uh, yeah. little they, shop. They raise rates 50 basis points. First time in 11 years. So they're seeing the same problems over there in Europe. And we know that Europe is, has been a struggle and they're, uh, likely going to be in a recession as well. I mean, look, if, if we're going to be going in a recession, which we likely already are, the rest of the world will as well. We're like the apples on we, Monday. We are the biggest economy in the world. That's just the fact of fact of the matter, and that's going to happen. Facts. Uh, um, look, going back to last week again, but on Tuesday, we had that reversal on Monday to negative. On Tuesday, huge gains, over 700 points in the Dow. And, and Jared, there were all kinds of flashing green lights and, and technical indicators that were very positive and powerful. And to me, it makes me, and I've been saying that this is a process. Every week we say it's the bottoming is a process. I think now I can probably more confidently say that we've seen the low for this cycle that was that was hit in mid-June. I think we've seen the low for the cycle, I believe. I, <clears throat> I've been watching a lot of market analysts, and it, it's so funny because depending on who you talk to or watch, there there's differing opinions on whether we've seen the low or we may 
you know, reach a possibly a, a, a slight deeper low, but the consensus is that we will see a gain towards the end of the year. Like, yeah. you know, we're near the end of this is what everybody can, I think, agree on. Yeah. Trust the process. It, it's a, it, the bottoming, bottoming is a process. And um, now the S&P is 8% off its uh, June lows. And a couple of things have happened. It was uh, the best day Tuesday of this week, the best day of the year. 98% of the S&P 500 closed higher. It also broke a one-month downtrend, and it finally got above a very important, by the way, indicator, the 50-day moving average, got above that for the first time since April 20th. Didn't it start, didn't Tuesday start off a little low, too, if I remember correctly? Like, it was kind of bouncing around. Monday, we were positive Monday, reversed down. Uh, I could check it for you, but I think... As possibly we were started out a little bit lower and then rallied later. But I think the rally was not later in the day. I think it's kind of rallying and it just gained momentum yeah. later in the day. Uh, you know, bank earnings were good. In general, we thought everybody, all the 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 bearish people out there saying, oh, earnings are going to be miserable. We're going to miss and guidance and supply chains and now the foreign exchange problems. CEOs were pretty dramatic about it. Well, and they mm. probably wanted to lower that bar a little bit absolutely and that's who doesn't that. want to under promise and over deliver yeah i mean but keep in mind even though this is a fed induced recession the fed will also fix it and now from from one extreme to the other it was like oh we're gonna have rate hikes all the way through to 2024 now i'm hearing we are possibly going to see rate cuts at the end of 23. Well, first it was transitory. Right. And then it was just rate hikes galore. And now it, the Fed is Goldilocks. I think it could have been more transitory if we wouldn't have had the Russian-Ukraine situation. I think that... That supply chain was F before know, that happened. Know. Yeah, but it was starting to work itself out some. That and then the obviously the other locked the the well, then the lack of energy yeah. getting from yeah. from Russia that kind of put you a, know, a wrench in it. Now that too. They, we still would have had a huge inflation problem, but I don't think it would have been as bad as it is right now. Well, I I still I'm in the camp. I think inflation peaked. It's it's peaked. I said June July. I think it peaked. Now we're starting to see indications that a lot of the a lot of the things that we're paying a lot more money for are lower in price. Commodity prices are down. Food prices are starting to come down. We're, we're starting to see now home values, price reductions across the board, car values finally going down. So I think inflation has peaked. Not all inflation. There's still going to be things that are going to be still inflationary. But I think in general, prices will start. It doesn't happen overnight. When wheat prices go down, your loaf of bread is not going to be cheaper the next day. It takes time to actually filter through the system. So... Not on the way up, though. Not when, uh, you know, when oil goes crazy, gets above $100, all of a sudden you're really seeing that at the gas pump. But on the way down, it's a little bit of a slower ride. All right. So, uh, Jared, do, we, do you think that inflation, has it, has it peaked? I mean, have we seen the, the highest CPI number, which is 9.2, I believe the number was? Yeah. Is that the highest number we're going to see going forward? I want to say yes, but I, I I can see it going up a little bit more. Yeah, I okay. I don't see it going up any higher than that. I think we saw the high. I don't know. Every time I've said that, it's not going. It can't possibly get higher. It gets <laughs> Got higher. It. But it, it, I think it's been ex- extreme. When's the next number come out? Uh, next month. That yeah, was a, by the way. That nine point two was a June number. Yeah. In June, where things were really crazy. 
That's when gas was over $5 and blah, 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 blah. All right, so uh, we'll have a July number sometime in August. So has inflation peaked at 9.2? I think it has. No shot. Convincing argument, but no. You think it'll be higher than 9.2 for the July number? Maybe not July, but I... I, Well, no, that's the next number. It'll be July. Well, I know, but I mean, it could be August that is higher than 9.2. I don't think that... So you say maybe a little bit of pullback and then uh, continuing the trend. You know what? That could be a possibility, but I mean, right now... Because, I mean, I just filled up my car this morning, so 389 that's... 89 where'd you go? Costco right there. Oh. Um, oh, to quote it, you, it, Lee, it's a, it's a process. Yeah. It's a process, yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. And and speaking of processes, you uh, you know, everybody was was thinking Netflix was down and out, and the stock would never come back. And, nobody's you know, Netflix nobody's, and chilling. Nobody's, nobody's subscribing. And you know what? In all fairness... Yes, their numbers were not terrific because Netflix did report numbers this week. It's a, it's an important number too, and it's an important company in the market. It's one of the larger companies in the S and P five hundred. They they came out and it was a sanguine quarter, but it wasn't horrible. And most importantly, was subscriber losses. Wall Street was expecting near two million subscriber losses, and they came in surprised everybody with only nine hundred and seventy thousand. Subscriber losses. Yet again, a CEO crying wolf, crying about how we're going to lose $2 million. That's why Wall Street anticipated it. And then, oh, but wait, it was only a mere 900000 I mean, it's just like America to, to reward somebody for not sucking as bad as they thought. <laughs> Man, that is, that's the well, tagline right there of the episode. I don't know about rewarding. That stocks, you've seen stocks that stock not chart. punishing. <laughs> no, but from where it was, I mean, it shot up a ton since they reported Oh, the low is 164, and here we sit at 224 now. Yeah. In, in just a, a month. So, you know, it, it has got rewarded a little bit here, but it's got a long way to go. Oh, it does. And, and the, here's <laughs> the question is that content, you have to have more content. You have to have good content because competition is is fierce. Peak, content, peak competition. The, content is expensive. The problem with yeah. them is they don't have, there's all these other streaming services that have their own that have original content mm-hmm. that they're pulling away from Netflix to put on their streaming. So Netflix is losing a lot because they don't have a lot of original stuff. Well, I, th- I think Netflix does have a lot of original stuff. It just has a lot of others. It has more than anybody. They do, but they don't have like legacy shows. Like yeah. the office is kind of what you're, yeah. yeah. You're I mean, at. they, uh, they've got stranger things and they've got all that stuff. That they don't have the Sopranos. Right. They don't have that with HBO. Yeah, I mean, they don't different. have, I, Ozark, mean, I would say it was like a Sopranos just didn't only lasted four seasons. Oh no, you can't equate those two. No, but my point is it was a, <laughs> a, a big hit. Uh, it was, was a big absolutely. Hit. I loved the show, but, but it's they not came the same. out. Their earnings were better than expected. Their revenues were a little bit uh, less than expected. You know, believe it or not, uh, Netflix has 220 million worldwide subscribers. That to me is unbelievable. I think so too. Uh, and however, they did warn that <clears throat> due to the U.S. dollar's impact on its international revenue. Which, by the way, makes up sixty percent of their top line, which is shocking to me. That was surprising, but then I was clicking through last night, desperate for something to watch, and I, I kept seeing all the dubbed shows, and I was like, yeah. "Okay, this makes more sense now." When I'm thinking about the international business, now that's going to be a little bit different as uh, the ECB raise rates, so their the euro is getting a little bit stronger. But you know, the the Netflix stock got to seven hundred back November of 2021 and got down to 164. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. I look. I uh, it's a service that most of us use, and it's a service that um, 
we believe that they're going to try and do a couple things to really enhance profitability, get rid of the password sharing. I guess they're trying to combat Boo. that. I know. Well, because everybody <laughs> cheats and uses it's everybody's password. It's not cheating. Password. I pay for my own service. I pay for mine and my entire family's service. Okay. Well, then what are you complaining about? Because my dad is too cheap to actually buy Netflix on his own. So he wants my password, obviously. And I pay for four screens to watch at one time. I'm not cheating and stealing by letting Jeffrey watch. They're saying, however, it's going to be something like um, it's got to be within the same house. This is so dumb to me, too, because like, okay, but how do you know I'm not on vacation? Exactly. I guess repeat offenders. That's also really creepy. Any decent hotel has Netflix on the TV, on on the remote. And you put in your password and username, and you can right. watch Netflix. I would never use that at a hotel because I wouldn't trust logging out and somebody else getting into my stuff. They still need your password though, and you can always change it. I'm not worried about that. But um, another company came out, another important company with earnings, and that's Tesla. And by the way, we have uh, very little Netflix. We do have some, and it's it's been horrible. Uh, <laughs> Tesla, we have, but luckily it's not a lot. Um, Tesla, we do have. A, it's a top ten holding. In fact, it's a top. Uh, I readjusted it here. Tesla is number four on our list. Thank you to the recent run. But uh, Tesla earnings came out. They they beat on earnings at a, a slight. They did pretty well across the board. Where they really a little bit disconcerting was their gross margins, which were supposed to be over twenty eight percent, which were thirty three percent last quarter, and now gross margins came in around twenty six point two percent. Uh, however, the company did say they expect record production in the back half of the year. So, look, Wall Street likes it. The stock is up uh, almost 10% on the day, a huge day, up $71 at $814. I, uh, I'm curious to see if Elon will tweet about his feelings about the economy going forward or if he's still feeling not good. Is super, no, super. Super bad. Super bad. That's right. Yes. He said that? He said. Yeah. Oh, he tweeted it. Because, you know, that's his medium of choice. Yeah. and Not uh, to own, though. So uh, this whole, and speaking of Elon and Twitter, uh, apparently there was a hearing which Elon wanted to get the case pushed back and, and extend and, you know, long time down the road, kick the can on the road for the court date. No, and sir. And it went on the to the side of Twitter, which they wanted to get it done quickly. So uh, a longer time span apparently helps Elon Musk. Well, yeah, because he can just Look, outspend them. He signed a deal to buy Twitter at $54.20. You got to get that 420 okay. joke in there. $54.20. He, since then, and did he really want to buy it? No. I mean, it was a joke from the beginning. But you signed off. Okay, so... Now he wants to back out the deal, which is going to cost, uh, what was it, $5 billion? So it's $1, billion $1 billion. for either side to back out, but when it's all said and done with legal fees, it's probably going to run the 5 to $10 billion. There's a theory on the street that uh, he did this so he could get rid of some of his Tesla options. Um, it's a pretty dumb way to a, do it. He sold, he sold about $8 million, or eight, sorry, $8 billion worth of them, so to liquidate a billion without wrecking the stock price well he not did being asked what he was doing every time he sold the stock went down heavy not to mention he was like i think tesla's really overvalued right now like who would say that well the other thing is he uh by the way he's sold, crazy he sold see he is crazy he sold 75 percent of his bitcoin which i thought that was the next coming of currency yeah i mean isn't he the techno king crypto dad like of the world yeah i mean and this is a year after they said that the 1.5 billion dollars that they spent 
to acquire this Bitcoin was a long-term potential. Look, we on Tesla, I, I probably wouldn't buy. I wouldn't buy on the spike. I don't like buying spikes, but it, it has cleared out some resistance, and it had some short-term resistance around. If I could see that, it was around about seven eighty-seven ninety. It cleared that out today. If it can close there, that's pretty good. Your next resistance will be somewhere in the nine hundreds. Uh, you know, I own the stock personally, and and we again we do own it for clients, so we do like it. But I, I own it. I, I bitch it. about it constantly, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is a wonderful company. I I bought it for clients, and then I'm like, why did I do this? Because it's doing okay, but it's just like I just can't. He, he drives me nuts with everything that he does. Hey, you're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. Market just closed. When we come back. I'll give you the closing numbers for Thursday, the 21st. But it is Monday, the 25th. It's Monday the 25th is when you're hearing this. Hey, Stock Doctor's Prescription. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. Over 40% of all Americans have less than $50,000 saved for retirement. Don't become another statistic. It's never too late to get started. You need a financial advisor who has your success as the cornerstone for all of their custom-built investment portfolios that can balance your needs for retirement with how much risk you're willing to take. Let Siler Wealth Management and the team give you a free portfolio checkup. Call 888-855-2855. Free financial review, no obligation. It'll only cost you if you don't call. Hey, everybody, we are back. You're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. Again, thanks for joining us. You can reach us at the office. We can help you with your financial planning, you know, investment management, uh, tax preparation, and accounting for your small businesses. Give us a call, 407-831-8002. 407-831-8002. We had a, a terrific event. A week and a half ago, we had a casino night for clients. It's just a social, fun event for our clients. And it was just, it exceeded my expectations fivefold. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And now we have to make it an annual thing because it was so much fun. Oh, yeah. That's not going anywhere. So we had, uh, we did it at Cafe Murano, which is a local restaurant here in Altamont Springs. We brought in five different casino tables, which is uh, three blackjack, one craps, one roulette. And the whole team that did that. And we had some food and cocktails. And it was just a blast. Maybe by the time we do our second, I'll actually know how to gamble. Did you, you? Did you try? No. Oh, you didn't. Okay. I was too busy chatting. I didn't play one game at all. I didn't mm -mm. like can't uh, a, a hand of cards. I did not do a hand of black anything. Nope. Did not pass go. Did not collect two hundred dollars. Uh, we have a listener question. Before we do that, you know, the Fed. We talked about trying to slow things down. And Aaron, you alluded to the fact that one of their only tools right now is raising rates, mm -hmm. slow down demand. Well, they're certainly doing that because mortgage demand has dropped to a 22-year low, and, and higher rates are crushing home buyers. I mean, your buying power, which was, let's say, on a $500,000 house with 20% down, now, all things being equal from December to now, uh, you, you now it's 390000 So you've lost 110000 120000 in buying power, and that really puts you out of the... It, I know people that need a four-bedroom house because they have three children. Now, all of a sudden, and they're trying to buy a house, they can't afford a four-bedroom house. They're just being squeezed out. Yeah, I sent you guys an article about the average uh, home value in Miami. 
five seventy nine in Miami. It's disgusting. It's always been high down there. Five ninety in Broward County. In Broward. Well, that's Fort Lauderdale. So that's that, yeah, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano. Wow, that just five ninety, but five seventy nine in Miami. So uh, think about this: a year ago, a year ago today, mortgage rates were at three average. Was at three point one one. We are currently at five point eight two. Mm. Refis have are down eighty percent from the same week last year. Ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think there's any free refi business left. Like, who's re- refinancing right. right now? Well, and you know what? When people, this is a great, a good point that Aaron you made about demand. When people refied, oftentimes they'd cash out some of their equity, mm-hmm. and they would expand. They would put a pool in, pay off their car. They would uh, redo their kitchens or, or whatever. There's a lot of things you use the money for. But now those refis are gone. A lot of that ATM, we call the ATM money out of your house, that's gone now. And and if you have a HELOC, which is home equity line of credit, that rate's gone up significantly. So as you put more on there, your payments are going to be higher. The other thing I saw is uh, people are using going back to using the adjustable rate mortgage yeah. because they can get that lower rate now than in the future, which I just... I don't That's know. I, I think it's a bad idea. So short-sighted. It, they're, they think they're going to use it properly and then refinance later when the rates are down. And what it's if just they're not? not going to work out. Right. I don't think it, it just doesn't. I think it's dangerous. Uh, we have a listener question. Rick from Longwood, right here, right around the corner. You've been saying for a while that you expect a year-end rally. I know uh, Aaron alluded to that. Um, has anything changed in your opinion? And are there certain places we should be? Invested. Invested is what he meant. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's where the place you should be is invested. Yeah, I mean, I do. That's that's a great point. I do believe that uh, there'll be a year-end rally. And I still think, however, the S&P, all the major averages will still be down for the year. But, may, maybe not, but I think they'll be down for the year. But if we recover 80 90% of the downside, meaning we had a 20% down S&P, if we close down the S&P down 5%, I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Me too. For the year, if we, we can manage to get out with just that, I will. I've been kind of setting expectations there, as like you know, we expect to see a rally, but and some people are saying we'll recoup all the losses for the year, but I'm like, I don't know. We may still be down a little bit, but we'll be up from where we're at right now. Put it this way: It wouldn't it be very interesting that the stock market is S and P is down less than the Barclays AG than the bond market. <laughs> that could happen. That actually very well could happen. Well, you could still be down seven, eight, nine percent in the Barclays aggregate bond portfolio because rates are still up, but yet the market recovers because the market does it does usually react quicker, and it's a discounting mechanism. If that happens, I will never let anyone forget it because of the fact that bonds are safe. Well, down double digits year to date. Um, so listen, there's um, interesting before we wrap things up here couple of things. I want to talk about uh, Warren Buffett and Occidental Petroleum, but before that, there's um, an analyst out there. He is, his name, it's, a, it's an odd name, and I'm sorry if I if I don't pronounce it correctly. It's uh, Gopfert. <coughs> his name is Jason Gopfert. Grapefruit. Um, he noticed over the last few days that he says that when advancing volume on the New York Stock Exchange is 87% of the total trading for two out of three days following a 52-week low. So let me set this up. 52-week low was last month. Over 
between Friday and Tuesday, two of those two Friday and Tuesday, not Monday, Friday and Tuesday, had the NYSC up volume, eighty seven percent of the volume was on the upside. Okay. The S P, if that has occurred, which it just did, has never been negative one year later. So this is according to again, he's the chief research analyst and founder of Sentiment Trader, Jason Gopfert. You know, I should reach out to him, see if he wants to be on the air. You actually are pronouncing it right. It's spot on. Gopher. I looked it up. Wow. Okay. Uh, Gopher, he's he's plotted out the returns and the trend, which has been over the... He he looked at the last three trading days. He says it has worked 100% of the time since 1940. This has happened 24 times. It's happened every time with 100% accuracy. He said even six months after that low... And after this happens at two out of three days, uh, 77% of the time, the market's higher. So he said, quote, unquote, the bear market is over. But this time is different. It's a hot take, (laughs) It's never different this time. All right. Uh, Warren Buffett, one of uh, our favorites. He is, we've been talking about him and his uh, love affair with Occidental Petroleum. He bought more shares in the ticker symbol Oxy. OXY, full disclosure, we do own some Oxy for clients. Not affiliated with the Purdue or Sackler family. Not, nope, not at all. Uh, but the stock has, has been, you know, it's acted pretty well this year. It's pulled back a little bit with the uh, energy sector. But uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway own almost 20%. They just accumulated over the last week another 1.9 million shares between 56 and change and 59 and change. And uh, they started buying it in March. And we kind of jumped on the bandwagon when I knew he was buying the shares. And I thought it was a, it was a good opportunity. It was a fairly valued company. That uh, So we do own some. It's it's a top 10 holding. It's number six on our list. And it's doing quite well. But not everybody is on board with this. I mean, it does have 27 analysts covering the stock. 14 of those 27 have hold ratings. 10 have bullish views. And eight of those have strong buys. So, um you know, there's some there's some action there in Oxenol Petroleum. It, it trades at 13 times earnings. So it's pretty good. Uh, also, before we go any further, home builders have had a lot of publicity about how bad things look. And there's still a housing shortage, folks. Mm-hmm. It still is. D.R. Horton cut their fiscal year guidance for 2022. Cut it. They had a Q3 revenue miss on softer demand. And they had an earnings beat with a revenue miss. So earnings beat. All that news came out, and guess what? Stock is up. Stocks that when stocks start moving up on bad news, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a bottom. Nikki Ward. Would you like I mean, to close out with anything? <laughs> I, I can't follow that. Okay. Jared Bocart, the fiscal therapist. If anybody needs help with their IRS woes, they should call the office, 407-831-8002. Literally anything. Anything to do with taxes, we can do it. If Uncle Sam has got you feeling down. <laughs> yeah, if you if you get a notice from the IRS, don't respond. Send it here. Also, they don't call you. That's a I'll scam. respond, but just oh, yes. really? let I me just respond gave them all for my you. Info for yeah, I just gave them a social security number. <laughs> they said they didn't have it. I do love it. that commercial yeah. where it's like, Mom, what's my social security number? It's like five. Now. Wait, why are you asking? <laughs> and our resident Marine, any uh, parting thoughts, Aaron? No. All right. Support our troops. <laughs> you know what? I, I, like, I love having a Marine in the office. Me too. That's great. Makes me feel patriotic. Uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I love America. I did nothing to earn it. No, I wish I was there. Token I, military I, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gotta have one. 
Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week for episode number 103. And you were listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Give us a call. We can help you. 407-831-8002. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Hi, I'm the Stock Doctor. As a thank you for listening to the show, we'd like to offer you a little something for free. Ideally, we would like you to trust us to manage your money. But if you're a hands-on type who wants to make those buy and sell decisions, you can still benefit from my decades of experience. Call 888-855-2855 and ask for the Stock Doctor's 30 Tips for Investing. 888-855-2855 and we'll send you a free copy.